The singing of the doxology by the PCC student body begins Pensacola Christian College Chapel. At each chapel service, students have an opportunity to receive spiritual exhortation and enrichment during a time of music and meditation on God's Word. This podcast shares selected recent chapel messages from guest speakers, faculty, and staff. Welcome to the PCC Chapel Podcast. 2 Timothy chapter 1 in your Bible with me. Well, today as we have a moment together, I want to talk to you about the thing that could potentially hold you back in life. When I look out at the sea of young people, what I see is a sea of potential, but there's something that could hold you back in life. And right away, so, oh, you know, Pastor Monty, he's just going to preach about sin. No, no, not sin. Now listen, sin will hold you back in life. Sin is a destroyer. You all know what sin is. You all know what sin looks like. But I'm not going to preach about sin. There's something else that is more insidious that will hold you back in life. There's something else that every one of us faces, some of us face it on a daily basis. There is something else that while we may be in church, while we may be in our classes, while we may be excelling academically, while we may walk with the Lord and read our Bible and do the right thing, there is something that the devil wants to put into your heart so subtle So insidious, not to destroy your life, but to greatly limit your life. If the devil can't take you out, put you on skid row somewhere, the devil's going to try to make your life so small and limited that it does not have the ability, you don't have the ability anymore to be effective as a servant. Your Bible's open to 2 Timothy chapter 1. I want you to look, if you will, with me at verse number seven, verse number seven. The Bible says this, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear. Pause there for a moment. The spirit of fear. Paul didn't say God has not given us fear. He said the spirit of fear. That hints just a little bit at a potential source for that fear, and I'll get into that more in a moment. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of love, and of, uh, pardon me, of power and of love, and of a sound mind. Do you know what I'm noticing? I've been a pastor now for over 35 years. I've had a front row seat to thousands of people. There's something that has changed in our society, something that is fairly new, but is a greater pandemic than any disease. And that is the disease of fear. Now, I'm not talking about rational fear where you're afraid to step out onto a four-lane highway. That's good fear. I'm talking about irrational fear that appears very small. In fact, maybe something that no one else sees in your life because you hide it very, very well. But it is a fear that limits you. In the last few years, I'm noticing that people are very hesitant to do certain things that others would have done on the spur of the moment. I was preaching over at the PCA a moment ago, and uh, there was a young man I know there. Uh, By the way, where's Andrew Johnson? Where is he? Where is he? Oh, there you are. Why are you hiding from me? Are you afraid of potential embarrassment? You can run, but you can't hide, buddy. Okay. His his brother was over there at at, uh, PCA. And right before I got up to speak, while they were singing a song, I asked his brother to do this. I said, put together real fast for me a men's quartet. And he looked at me and goes, really? I said, oh, I'm serious. Put it together now. 
And during the course of a song, he put together a men's quartet, and I had them come up and sing to illustrate, and by the way, they did a beautiful job. They were amazing. But I had them come up to sing to illustrate the fact that here are some young men who overcame their fear. Most of us in this room would be like, I, I, I didn't practice, spur of the moment, I didn't practice. I'm not gonna do it, I didn't try. And here they overcame that, that insecurity, in, in that intimidation, and they moved ahead and by the way, did a beautiful job. You know, if the devil can talk you into being afraid, he can limit your effectiveness. He's not changing your personal standards, he's not meddling with your doctrine. He's not coming in and saying, well, you know, I don't believe in God anymore. He's not doing that. What he's doing is keeping you as a quote-unquote good Christian who is willing to limit himself or herself based upon fear. There is a fear that limits our lives. And the more we cater to our fears, the more we reinforce our fears. Whenever you give in to a fear, you limit your life. Now, I mentioned the spirit of fear. It does not come from God, but to me it's very interesting that the word spirit would appear there because it almost seems where we know fear does not come from God, where is this spirit of fear from? I believe this, it's satanic. When I say satanic, I'm not talking about the devil himself because the devil uh, it can't be everywhere at once. He's not like God. He's only in one place at a time. You say, Pastor Monty, the devil on the campus of PCC. No, I, I don't think the devil's at PCC. I think he's busy in the White House. And so uh, he's, 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 he's got a full plate over there. But, but when I say satanic, I'm talking about demonic. I'm talking about the reality that there is the presence of personal evil that tries to work in our lives, and if that, that, that personal evil, that satanic influence, if it cannot cause us to sin, if it can't ca cause us to fall, if it can't take us out of the game, it can implant in our hearts an insecurity and fear that will keep us from our potential for God. The spirit of fear then, I think, is of demonic origin. Fear also may originate from cowardice. You said, Pastor Monty, I'm just not a confident person. Can I, can I tell you something? Faith would make all the difference. Learning to believe God, I mean truly believe God. Uh, years ago, I was with a, a lady and her husband. We were, my wife and I were going out to dinner with them, and she had a fear, she had a, a phobia, insecurity, about uh, riding in a car on a highway. She didn't want to go on the highway. She was fine on back roads and, and things like that, but she didn't want to go on a car on a highway. And so I said, well, I said, uh, I said I, we really, we're going to go to this nice restaurant in Northside Town. We really need to take the highway. It'd take forever to get there. She said, oh, I'm, I, I, I just, I, 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 I don't want to ride on the highway. And I said, I said, well, I said, wait a minute. I said, how about this? I'll drive. I'll drive. Thinking her husband's driving was the problem. She said, oh, I still don't want to go on the highway. I said, now, wait a minute, I called her by name. I said, wait a minute. I said, if I'm driving and I'm in the car, I said to this lady, who am I? She said, what do you mean, who, who are you? I said, who am I? You're the preacher. I said, do this. I said, do you think, and now this was a little manipulative. I said, do you think that God would let anything bad happen to the preacher? I know y'all are thinking, sure he would. <laughs> but she looked, she said, well, I never thought of it that way. I said, I know he won't. 
Now I'm out on a limb, right? But that's faith. <laughs> and, and she said, okay. She said, um, if you're driving and you're the preacher, I'll get in the car and I'll ride. And do you know what? She rode the whole way there and the whole way back. Watch this. The fear was gone. Now, what if it had gone the other way? What if it had gone this direction and she would said, oh, no, 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 no matter what, I don't care if you're the Pope. <laughs> no matter what, not getting into that car. She was all nervous about the idea. Hey, let me ask you a question. Have any of you ever been nervous? Get your hands in the air. Those of you, how about anxious? Anyone ever been anxious? Okay, if she had said no and convinced me to take the back roads, do you know what would have happened? All of her anxiety or her fear, her insecurity, her intimidation, listen, all of it would have gone away. Oh, good. Whew. I don't have to face that. Oh, good. Whew. I, I, what a relief. What a relief. He, he's, he's, he's a nice pastor. He's going he's gonna to cater to my, my insecurities. He's so nice. He's so kind. He's so much like Jesus. What if, what? Oh, I'm so relieved. What, well, wait a minute. You know what that relief is? Oh, it's good, Pastor Monica, because she felt good. No, no, no. Look at me. One of the worst things in the world. Do you know why? That sense of relief was a reward to her. It would have been. It wasn't in this case. It was a reward to her that would have cemented the insecurity. Have you ever thought about the Apostle Paul, how he talked to Timothy? Timothy, let no man despise thy youth. Timothy, man up, paraphrase. Timothy, be bold. Timothy, do the things you need to do. Why? Because there's something about Timothy, and there's nothing wrong with this personality type. But there was something about Timothy that, that made him kind of a background person. There's something about it that made him fearful. The Apostle Paul, who had a close relationship with this young man, he said, I know that Timothy's got it in him to rise up. I've just got to promote it. What if Paul had catered to Timothy's insecurities? There would have been no Pastor Timothy if that had been the case. And so Paul encourages him to rise up. Now, what are some of the fears Timothy faced? I want you to see this quickly from the Bible this morning. What are some fears? Number one, look at verse 6. Look at verse 6. Paul says to Timothy, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance, that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. What was Timothy afraid of? Timothy was afraid to exercise his gifts and talents fully. Paul says, you're doing the job, but you're not doing it to the level that you could. Or you have a gifting, but you're not developing it. You're not taking that somewhere. Timothy, I know you're timid, but it's time for you to rise out of that fear. Pastor Monty, when I get intimidated by something, I get really uncomfortable, and I don't like that. Please look at me. Uncomfortable is the best place you can be to grow. Well, I don't like to be nervous. No one likes to be nervous. But what Paul was saying is, face this. Timothy, you have some talent, but don't suppress your talent. How many people? By the way, this is probably the largest group of talented people I'll ever speak to in, in a year's time more. A huge talent. But how many of you, because of fear suppress your talent and never rise to the occasion. A couple weeks ago, we had a young man in our church who, 
He's a homeschooler. Do I have any homeschoolers out here? Homeschoolers. Stir it up! Do I have any homeschoolers out here? Yeah, yeah, look at that. You are part of a club. It's a very exclusive club. You and your mom and the dog. It's wonderful. <laughs> wonderful club. It's a wonderful club. The mom came to me. She said, my son is involved in a rhetoric course, you know, t uh, public speaking, basically, a rhetoric course. She said he's scared to death about it. She said, would you spend time with him? Uh, I said, yeah. I said, for sure. I'll spend time with him. I'll give him an hour. And, uh, and very smart, very smart, because homeschool kids are either very smart or very dumb. This was the very smart. And there's no middle ground in homeschooling, folks, and you know I'm telling the truth, okay? It's, it's, either, it's either aggressive and violent homeschooling, those kids are smart ones, or it's sitting around watching TV all day. But okay, one or the other. This kid had written a speech on the life of Louis Zamperini, okay, the great Olympian, the great hero of World War II, and he'd written it, beautiful writing, and he started to give it to me the way he was going to give it to me. I looked over the writing first, corrected a couple things, and then he started in. And, and in the middle of it, I stopped him. I said, what, what about this don't you like? He, well, he said, I, I, I get nervous, and I don't want to be there, and there's people criticizing it, and there's judges. And I said, you got to be kidding me. And this kid was a natural. Okay, this kid was a natural. Like, he, he was only standing in front of me, and another person was in the room. But this kid was natural. And I said, okay, now, when you make a hand motion, make it big. And I, a few little pointers. But I don't know that I've ever run into somebody that had such immediate natural talent. And I stopped him and said, You're, I said, this is a gift. <laughs> Look at me funny. He said, do you really think so? No, I'm lying. No, this is, this, because I was astounded. I was truly astounded. And I said, I don't care what field the Lord calls you into. Your ability to stand up and to speak well is going to pay off a thousand times in the... He said, do you think so, preacher? I said, yes. I said, let's work on this, do this, do this. By the end of the hour, he was totally into it and I think had discovered a gift from God that he could now develop. And do you know what? Score one against the devil because the devil would have wanted to keep him always thinking that he shouldn't do this. Let me ask you a question. Do you ever turn down something? Pastor, I'm just, I'm afraid. I don't want to approach it. Boys, what about um, dating? Or do you call it courtship? Are we over that? Are we? You're so afraid to answer right now, I put you on the spot, I'm sorry. God hath not given you the spirit of fear. There's some young men in here. You've seen this girl that just makes your heart beat a little faster. You've seen her. Oh, Pastor Monty, I could, I could never ask her on a date. Hmm. What's that going to get you in life? Well, what if she says no? Then pray for her. <laughs> that just means she's really dumb. That's all, okay. 
Okay, I, you say, were you ever turned down? Yeah, I was turned down by some, some girls back in the I was turned down, and you know what I did? I pitied them. I thought, I thought you don't even understand the boat you just missed. I, I, you know. And I did that in all humility, but... Pastor, what if, I, what if I ask her out, and then I actually have to go to lunch with her? Is that what you all do? Do you go to lunch? Is that what you do? I was thinking about this this morning. This college is the perfect place to date. Do you know why? Guys, listen to me. <laughs> you don't have to pay for it. <laughs> I mean, her daddy already bought the lunch. Paid for the date. Pastor Monty, what if it doesn't go good? Okay, a bell is going to ring, and you're going to have to go somewhere. That doesn't happen on a normal date. Sometimes you're stuck. Well, pa- Pastor Monty, what if, what, if, um, what, if, uh, what if I don't like the guy? Okay, can I guarantee you something, girls? Can I guarantee you something? You don't like him. I'm going to guarantee you something right now. He can't kiss you. I thought you'd laugh at that. <laughs> the truth of the matter is, when you let intimidation hold you back, you play right into the devil's hand. And so the devil's not going to cause you to, to your life to fall apart. He's not going to cause you to go off the deep end, maybe. And maybe you're, you're, you're too well-trained. You know the Word of God. You're too strong for this. You're not going to be fooled into some drug addiction or alcohol addiction. You're not going to be a fool. You're not fooled into all that. But you know what he can do? He can make your world really small. He can limit you. He can cause fear. He can cause you to repeatedly say no to opportunities to emphasize and exercise your gifts and talents. That's verse number six. Look at verse number eight. Here's another one. Paul says, Timothy, be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Timothy, don't be afraid of embarrassment. So psychologists tell us that there are two fears that people have and not necessarily in this order. The two greatest fears that people have, number one would be the fear of death, the fear of death. By the way, for a Christian, that shouldn't really be much of a reality, okay? It's different, but we shouldn't be fearful. The fear of death, number one. Number two, and I said a moment ago, not necessarily in this order, number two, the fear of humiliation. There are some people who would rather die than be humiliated. And sometimes people are so afraid of the potential of embarrassment that they never take a step into something that will cause them to grow. Paul said to Timothy, Timothy, don't be ashamed of me. Paul, you've kind of got a bad (laughs) reputation. You're a bit of a jailbird. Don't be ashamed of that. It's for the sake of the gospel. Well, but, but, but Paul, you're, you're kind of a fool for Christ's sake. I mean, you even said it in one of your letters. You're, you're, you're a fool for, you know, it's not dignified to be the Apostle Paul. Don't be ashamed. So too many of us limit our Christian testimony because we're embarrassed. We're embarrassed. Well, I, I work somewhere in a bunch of secular people, and I just keep my head down and try to earn my paycheck. Yeah. You played right into the devil's hands. Well, but Pastor Monty, I don't, I don't want to be embarrassed among them, and they'll, they'll, they'll think I'm some religious weirdo. By the way, not if you present it right. I've never seen a day in time when lost people are more interested in the answers that you have 
but you can't beat them over the head with a Bible. You've got to go in there and love them and listen to them, get to know them as a person, build a little platform of a relationship, and then out of a natural heart of love for them, share Christ with them. It's a whole different, well, Pastor Mania, I gave that person a tract, my job is done. No, your job is just beginning. We oftentimes do these little convenient things. I'm, I'm in favor of passing out tracts. I'm very in favor of it. The first gospel that I ever heard as an unsaved young person was from a tract. So I'm very in favor of it. But some of us use it as an excuse. If I can hand them a piece of paper, I don't even have to say hi to them. Why, why do we do that? We're hiding. Why are we hiding possible embarrassment? Pastor Ronnie, we won't fit in. I love the culture. Now, I'm not, the culture's kind of corrupt today, but there's one aspect of the culture I love. And do you know what it is? Nobody fits in. Everyone's a weirdo. Be your own. <laughs> no one cares anymore. There's no real conformity in our culture. But we hesitate, and we hesitate, frankly, to stand up for Christ because we're embarrassed. There's some level of shame. And, and again, if you do that, boom, the devil won. What, what's another one? Oh, it's the end of verse number eight. End of verse number eight. Be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel. Fear of discomfort. Fear of discomfort. Well, pa Pastor Monty, you know, I, 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 I'm, just, I'm just not comfortable with that. Can, I want the guys to listen to me right now, please. Being comfortable, young men, is your enemy. Being comfortable is your enemy. Well, Pastor Monty, I'm only comfortable going to places I'm familiar with. I'm only comfortable around people I'm comfortable with. I, I, I want to make sure that in my life nothing new ever happens or stirs me up or I'm never brought to the point of challenge. Some years ago, I, there was a lady, not a member of my church, but she was considering sending her kids to a Christian camp, a fine Christian camp with tons of rules, tons of programs. Every moment of the day is adequately chaperoned by someone, older person who's bitter at life, you know, and uh, adequately, you know, the type, they're adequately chaperoned, watching over everything, great fun, great program, great food. You couldn't complain about a thing. You know what the mom said to me? She said, well, and these, she's talking about boys, teenage boys, her sons. She said, I've I, I'm not going to make them to go to camp, she said, because I never make them do anything that makes them uncomfortable. Do you know how crippling that is? Do you know what that is driven by? It is driven by an unreasonable fear. And do you know that that fear is not of God? God, God doesn't sponsor that level of, of intimidation and trepidation. He said, Pastor Monty, well, what should I do? Should I make myself uncomfortable? Young men, especially, listen to what I'm about to say. Best thing you can do is make yourself uncomfortable. Some years ago, I had a midlife crisis. Dr. Much, did you ever have one of those? I can tell you did. You don't even have a tie on anymore. I'm telling you, <laughs> clearly. I had a midlife crisis a few years ago. So, Pastor Monty, what did you do? <laughs> what every good man does in the middle of a midlife crisis. I bought a Harley. <laughs> Come on. Give me some love. Give me some love. Okay. I bought a Harley. Now, I'm not talking about a sportster. Those of you who know Harleys know that that's the girly bike. 
I'm talking about a Road King classic. It's huge. It's 750 pounds. Oh man, Pastor, that must have brought back the days of your youth when you rode. No. I never rode a motorcycle in my life. Huh? Never. I can ride a bicycle really good, but I never rode a motorcycle in my life. Why would you do that? You know why? Because it's super cool. I bought this bike. When I went to buy it, I had to have a friend who knows how to ride a motorcycle <laughs> ride it back from the person I bought it from. You said, well, did you take a class? Yeah, I took the Harley class, the Harley school. And you know what you ride on in the Harley school? They're like little dirt bikes. Okay, they're so small I could pick the thing up and throw it. It's not like my road king. Do you know that there is nothing in my life that makes me more uncomfortable than getting on that motorcycle? And I've had it for three years, or this will be my third year coming up. There's nothing in my life that makes me more uncomfortable. Do you know this? I need to, Dr. Much, I need to talk myself into it. I mean, it's beautiful, and I love to look at it, because you talk about chrome, mm, chrome. You talk, it's black, it's shiny, it's got chrome. I mean, and by the way, pipes, guys, pipes. I took off the stock pipes and put some Vance and Heinz pipes. Arrgh! You only have a motorcycle, a real motorcycle, if your neighbors hate you. It's the only way. That's how you can tell. But, but every time I approach a thing, it's so far out of my wheelhouse, I, I'm uncomfortable. But, well, if, if, if you're uncomfortable, why do you do it? Listen, because I don't want to get old. I, I just turned 57. Sunday, 57. Is that old? Come on, is it? Yeah, okay, somebody said, yeah, okay. Well, let's face it, I get these letters. Dr. Much, I get letters from AARP, those, that old people club, okay? And, and I don't even open them. I refuse to join. I don't care if the coffee's free. I refuse to join. But the other thing is this. I don't ever want to get comfortable. Because when you stop, when, when you shelter yourself in a place where you're comfortable, you stop growing as a person. When you never accept a new challenge, you, 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 you well, Pastor, but you know, you, you, you got to settle down sometime. Oh, really? and make my box really small? When do you have to make your box small? The, the tragedy is this. I may be talking to some young people that have already built a really tiny little box. You're, you're not willing to talk, well, I'm a pastor, you know, I'm an introvert, so I won't talk to people. I don't know. I was an introvert growing up. I was so shy, I wouldn't answer the phone in junior high, I'm, I'm, and it wasn't a cell phone, it was one of those you know, cool phones with the wires and all that stuff. It would ring, it actually rang, it didn't beep, buzz, or chirp, it rang. I would never answer the phone. My mother said, why won't you answer the phone? And my answer was, I just don't wanna to talk to those people. <laughs> you know why I wouldn't? Shy, super shy. And then I learned a secret. People, are genuinely, generally, pardon me, people are generally friendly. And I started doing this as a young person at church. I would go around and talk to the old people. You know why? Because old people love young people. Well, some don't, but they're just bitter. 
The vast majority do. And I, I, would go, I would go talk to them, and I would make friends with them, because my youth pastor told me to. He said, you need to go talk to the old people. It's your job when you show up to church every Sunday to go talk to old people and get to know them. Do you know what I found out? They loved it. And I loved talking to them. And I would just go talk to old people before church, after church, talk to the old people. Do you know what else I found out? Those old ladies were dying to bake me cookies. And I got cookies. Do you know what else I found out? Those people were on their way out and they have a will. <laughs> yeah, baby. Their favorite grandson has now been written into the will. That's just a joke, but there's some truth to what I just said. <laughs> and my youth pastor challenged me to get over a fear so that my world would expand, listen, and so that in an expanded world, my abilities and my influence and what I didn't know at the time would be a future ministry, would expand because, because he saw fear. The youth pastor saw fear. And he said, okay, I'm, 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 I'll direct you away from this fear. And he cared enough to say, get out of your box. Move beyond, well, pastor, you know, I just, uh, I just, it just all makes me so nervous. That's good. Paul said to Timothy, don't be afraid of discomfort or suffering. Then I want you to look at verse 9 quick as we close. Verse 9, Paul describes the power of the gospel of God in verse 8, and then he says, God who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. Timothy, don't be afraid of God's calling. I don't know this morning, but there might be a young man out here. You know the Lord's worked on your heart about ministry, about maybe being a pastor, preacher, full-time Christian service, something, and you're really hesitant. You know, I, I'm just afraid to do that. I'm afraid to step that direction. You're a good Christian. You wouldn't even be considering it if you weren't a good Christian. You, you read your Bible, you love the Lord, you take interest in Bible classes. You, maybe you work on some ministry here at the campus church or, or an extension somewhere. You, you, you're active because you love it. But I don't know, Pastor, I'd just be so afraid if God would call me. Why, why so afraid? Um, as good a person as you are, the devil won. The devil won. Why? He's made your box very, very small, and he did it because of fear. Do you know what else the devil won? He won the battle when a person, young person, man or woman, refuses to do the calling of God, the will of God for their life. He won the battle in the multiplied thousands of people, as I look over this room, in the multiplied thousands of people that you could have reached with the gospel but did not, all because you were afraid. Now, now let's be real. We all have insecurities. We all have things that make us nervous. That, that's, that's, that's normal. It's not abnormal to have a fear. What is dangerous is giving in to that fear and limiting your life. What is, what is dangerous, Paul said to Timothy, what is dangerous, Timothy, don't just build this tiny little box 
Timothy, don't, don't just function in this tiny little place and always be fearful and, and never rise up and, and allow people to disrespect you and allow people to run all over. Timothy, don't do that. Timothy, you've got potential. Timothy, rise up through your fear. So my biggest enemy is not someone on the outside. My biggest enemy is not someone inside my church. My biggest enemy is not my wife. She's my greatest cheerleader, and I wouldn't be here without her. You know who my biggest enemy is? Me. And you know where my biggest enemy lives? Right here. And if I can recognize God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, if I can recognize the fact that that fear is something the devil is using to hold me back and to stop me, if I can recognize that that fear is fake, because when I face the thing I fear, the fear vanishes away. If I can recognize that, my life will go from this little box to bigger and bigger and bigger, and I can know what it is to truly, genuinely, and truly be used of God. You've been listening to a message from Pensacola Christian College Chapel. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College, empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.